You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Leon. Let's go! Hello, comics fans. Uh, A weekly show really our usual style we know but uh for me this is a way of keeping busy and coping with all this pandemic stuff uh this is ace comicals episode number 85 and uh it's just me and leon today good evening talking comics and reading comics is kind of like what's keeping me in good spirits and i want to help keep you in good spirits so that's why we're doing this again (laughs) with such a short sort of like time in between i guess um that and I mean, speaking for myself, really, but I've I've got nothing better to do because <laughs> we're not allowed to leave the house or anything. Okay. So there we go. Whereas I've got uh, a multitude of of things to do, but uh, in prep for last week's episode, I came across a lot uh, more uh, comics than I wanted to speak about in one episode. So it's bonus round, baby. Yeah, bonus round. Um. So, uh. We should just kick off with the reviews, I think, because I don't think a lot's happened in between times, apart from the fact that we've been having to stay shut inside our houses and things. Um, I'm still leaving to go to work because my job will kick off with the reviews. So I will start with um, a book I read, which was released. This is like the latest edition of it, which came out quite recently, came out um, sort of like mid-March. And... Um, it is a book that was originally published in 1996, I believe, and it is called Facts from Sarajevo. So what I will do is I will just introduce this book using the Dark Horse blurb because I think they put it better than I could. So, um... This is the astonishing true story of a family in Sarajevo, Bosnia, trapped in a city under siege as war and genocide rage around them with only a fax machine to communicate. On the receiving end of these faxes from his trapped friend, uh, Joe Kubert brilliantly illustrates their struggle towards freedom against the worst kind of odds. It's the tale of a very real war told from the perspective of innocent victims, but it's also full of strength, survival and love. So, yeah, it's um, it is the story. Uh, it tells of the atrocities and the horrors of the the Bosnian War, uh, through the eyes of um, Irving Rustemajic, uh, founder of Strip Art Magazine, uh, Strip Art, which was published in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and then, uh, well, which was then a, at the time when this magazine was founded, it was part of Yugoslavia and it was distributed through the entire territory of ex-Yugoslavia. And later he was uh, um, sort of the founder of uh, Strip Art Features. Uh, he was kind of like um, kind of like a licensing house slash comic publisher type deal that he kind of was in charge of. Hmm. Um, and he had kind of like close ties with um, other people that worked in and uh, writers things like that across the world comics wise which is where this story begins because obviously he's uh, he's quite good friends at this point with joe cubit um and yeah he's trapped in the epicenter of 
what by all accounts was hell on earth with only a fax machine as the line to the outside world. And this is like during the Bosnian war. So that's 1992 to 1995. Um, and he would send faxes of his experiences of his struggle to try and get him and his family out to safety throughout the time they were trapped there. And I think this is part of what possibly kept him going as well, being able to hear from people on the outside. Yeah. Um, from the way the story's written, it's like what keeps him going is getting these faxes back from his friends on the outside um, and how they they sort of like give him encouragement and tell him to keep up strength and do what they can on their end to try and help get him out as well. Um, and Joe Cuba expertly captures this struggle and the unrelenting savagery of the war. It's a story collated from the faxes that Irvin sent to his friends. Um, excerpts from and full reproductions of the faxes appear uh, peppered throughout the story as a reminder that however unbelievable and horrifying some of it may seem, um, however much a stretch of the imagination it may seem, it was actually happening and uh these panels in this book are, are based on an eyewitness account um this uh it was joe cubitt's masterwork um it was a raw and grim picture painted by um the words in each fax brought to life through the power of joe's beautiful art um the sheer strength of Irvin's family i mean like they were the, they were lucky ones as well um, from what we can, from what we tell, from from what we know from history, from what we know from having seen it, because this happened in our lifetime, didn't it? So, what we might remember from having seen the news as children, maybe, or from yeah. what we may have read since then, we know that these people were the lucky ones, uh, or, or some of the lucky ones that managed to escape. And by all accounts, you know how they managed to keep going and keep it together. Like, no matter how hellish things became, it's an inspiration and. This is a story you need to weed, uh, read. Like you will grit your teeth along with Irvin and feel his frustration and anger and sorrow. Um, Joe's art is like Joe Cubitt's art is like full of life and expression, and that kind of like helps to kind of like bring that bring that to you and, and put you in it. But you will also experience the strength of love and the hope, and you get to learn just how important it is to have hope, like how powerful hope is especially with like some of the stuff they were dealing with here. And it's just like, um, yeah, I mean, probably not the best thing for me to read at this time. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say how, why uh, of all the times did you pick now? Cause you know, me, I'm yeah. the type of person who I'm the opposite of, of how that, of how you operate in that way. So uh, yeah. I will, if I'm feeling depressed or whatever, I'll watch depressing thing and feel better for it. Or like say even recently, with COVID nineteen on the uh, back in like February, I watched um, like Contagion and stuff like that. And like for me, there's like a catharsis you get out of seeing like a fictional depiction of something, or a, like um, like an artistic depiction or something. Because um, I don't know, like the way like the ebb and flow of a story, and by the time you get to the end, there's I don't know. Yeah. For some people, it's, it's a form of like control over the thing because it's like it ends and it shows you like mm. it can end blah blah and then for other people there's just a thing of like it's like a flush for emotions so i was wondering what what, what it was like for you because i don't think you're you're generally not uh disposed that way yeah I'm, I'm generally about the escapism but i 
I wanted to read this because I was genuinely interested in the story. And that kind of superseded the need to escape reality for me. Um, and in reading this and getting to the end of it, I actually did kind of experience some kind of um, relief from it, actually. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, and, you know, to see that this has such a happy ending as well, because at the end, um, it explains and, and, you know, you get photographs and things like that. And it is a happy ending. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a happy ending. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so originally published in 1996. And, I mean, some of the some of the things, I mean, we, we know we know from history some of the things that happened during this war. Yeah. in bosnia but like some of the like the, the the titles of the um the chapters in this and some of the the things that are kind of explained or or alluded to or, or things that happened over there it's just it's, it's absolutely horrific and it just brings brings to light you know just how terrible that time was for people and yeah because it, it sounds like what the story does is it um, like it, it finds, like you're saying, the hope and like the best of humanity amongst the thing where you're seeing a lot of the worst of humanity. Yes, exactly, exactly that. And the um, yeah, the the there's a the book is dedicated to a man named uh, Karim uh, Zamovich, who was a man that Joe Kubert had never met. Um, he sent packets of photographs over uh through Irvin to be used as reference for you know the architecture and everything else hmm. and um there's a picture of him in the beginning of the book uh reading a magazine with a uh a picture of it's, it's like you can i don't know what type of magazine it is maybe it is a batman comic but there's like an advert it must be an advert for batman forever in there because um there's a picture of jim carrey on the page in his uh you know, in his Riddler outfit. Um, and it does actually oh, yeah. say that this man was a comics fan, but he, uh, this was dedicated to him, this book. Uh, he, he died um, of a grenade wound uh, in Sarajevo in August, 1995 at just the, at just 24 years old. He was a, like a, 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 um, a young journalist and photographer. Hmm. So he was taking these photos and sending them over and uh, the book's dedicated to him. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a nice, well, I, I, it's, it's a nice book to have because it's, it's one of those things where I think it belongs on everyone's shelf. Like any comics fan needs to have this on their shelf because, and, and, and I think it's, it's a story that needs to be told. Um, There's an excerpt at the back where, it tells you that Joe and Irvin originally had like a friendly argument over the fact that Irvin did not want this book to be made, but sort of Irvin's daughter kind of convinced him in a way. And Joe made it, Joe Kubert made the book anyway, um, because he felt it like it was his duty to tell his friend's story. And like, 
this this beautiful style that he has spares no detail in its stark realism. It's beautiful organic lines. It crafts expression and mood in a way I think no other artist could, given the circumstances. Yeah, and yeah, he saw it as his duty to tell this story, and you can feel this in the attention to detail. So yeah, he he uh, that is um, that is one to read. So that is facts from Sarajevo. Um, and that was written, uh, art, writing and letters by Joe Kubert. God rest his soul. Uh, publisher, Dark Horse. Coloring, uh, by Studio Saf in Pahek. Uh, that's Strip Art Features. Color Separations by Strip Art Features, Scan Art in Slovenia. Um, so, yeah. It's a, it's, it, the, even the comic itself has ties to, um, that part of the world, I guess. Uh, moving on from there was uh, another one I decided to read. Now, this one was like something that I thought, this is like more positive, <laughs> slightly more positive. Uh, this is something that popped up in my feed um, on uh, Twitter because Martin Morazzo of um, the... Uh, ice of the ice cream man gang, uh, the the ice cream man creative team. He was uh, promoting this, and um, in this, with what we're dealing with right now in this pandemic uh, climate and whatever else, this this current crisis that the world's dealing with, uh, a lot of things have shut down and ground to a halt. And like we talked about last week, the comics industry has all but ground to a halt at the moment. In you know, to try and help halt the spread of COVID-19. And at this point, no new comics are being printed. No new comics are being distributed. Um, and uh, what these guys have decided to do is they've decided to do like a bi-weekly uh, comic called Quarantine Comics, uh, which is like a bi-weekly Ice Cream Man comic, like short, four, like five to six pages, whatever, short little stories that just kind of like um, released every so often, every two weeks, I believe. It's uh, I'll just read what they've got, the official statement on their website, actually, on the Quarantine Comics site. So, in an effort to help brick-and-mortar comic shops during the COVID-19 crisis, the creative team behind Ice Cream Man will be posting all new ICM mini-comics. So, these are kind of like mini-comics. They are Ice Cream Man comics still. Uh, two to four pages right here once or twice a week. They'll be sold as PDFs for $1.99 a pop, which is, um, I think that's something like, it's like £1.60 in UK pounds and pence. Who knows in a few weeks' time. Yeah, that might end up being three <laughs> quid, but who knows. Uh, <laughs> half of the profits go to the book industry charitable foundation, BINC, which supports struggling booksellers. Um, this includes local comic book shops who are facing unprecedented financial hardship after the closure of many of their stores, temporary shuttering of their distribution system and the non-operation of pretty much every paper printer in the country. Um, I'm assuming this is the US. To wit, there's no way to release new comics into stores right now. The entire industry is essentially set on pause or essentially on pause. Um Comic book shops are essential to the future of this kooky little medium. Creators of all stripes rely on them to get their art into the hands of interested readers. So here we are trying to trying our best to help out in a small way. 
And if you're still jonesing for the real McCoy, example, if you're still looking to finally read that beloved graphic novel you've always been interested in, or in dire need of volume four of Ice Cream Man, visit comicshoplocator.com to find a local comics purveyor. Give them a call. They very well might provide easy home delivery or curbside pickup. Cheers and stay healthy. So um, this first one is called I Am What I Am. And uh, this is about um, how sometimes we're not at our most productive um, during this crisis. And it's uh, comparing being, it's comparing now, I I assume it's slightly autobiographical. And I think the main, the main character in the art is supposed to be W Maxwell Prince, but it is comparing what's happening now with uh, what happened in uh, the time of William Shakespeare. And um, this was Will Shakespeare um, working during the bubonic plague when apparently he managed to write like um, some of it, like his, was it his three greatest tragedies or something like that during that time? I don't know. Um, uh, I yeah, can't. I, I'm not, I'm not your man. Even though I've, I've read yeah. a bunch of Shakespeare, I don't know. Or, uh, I'm not up on all the law from, uh, from can't... the real period. Yeah, can't claim to be a Shakespeare advert, but I know he definitely wrote a uh, Shakespeare advert. <laughs> a Shakespeare <laughs> expert. But I know he definitely wrote King Lear. <laughs> While okay. that was happening. So, okay. Yeah, you, you've, you've passed a mark yeah. on your English GCSE. Yeah, I know he definitely wrote King Lear while this was happening, supposedly. So, yeah. Um, and it opens up and uh, it's, it's, it's in the form of a sonnet. So... Um, it's a story kind of in the for it's kind of framed in the form it's in the form of a sonnet and uh, in the words of the uh, the writer on the blurb this uh, premiere issue of Quarantine Comics is an English sonnet sequentially told in iambic pentameter nutch uh, and it's about getting less done than one would like during times of isolation so yeah it's uh, it's it's written as a sonnet. So it speaks to me on many levels, this book. Uh, the usual fantastic ICM team doing what they do best. A uh, short story for me highlights the anxiety of the situation, how that can be exacerbated by constant updates or access to news. Because part of the story is the fact that while sitting at home alone and trying to work, um, our writer, uh, which I assume is supposed to be W. Maxwell Prince. I think it is him. I looked at photos of him and I looked at the art and I I, I think it's him. Um, he's uh, constantly drawn to his phone when he's supposed to be working. Um, and like how this can be exacerbated by constant updates or access to the news that the little glowing portal you keep in your pocket that draws you in and then works its venom to paralyze you basically. Um, I mean, we've all been in that mood or frame of mind described here. And these four pages just let you know that you aren't alone. Um, aptly composed as a sonnet, as it's, you know, comparing Shakespeare's time to the current situation. Um, and maybe Shakespeare managed to work so well because back then the information was not so readily available. Mm, yeah. There's nothing to feed the fear. Like, I think sometimes access to information and up-to-date news about the situation is as much a curse as it is a blessing. Um, I know it's like reinforced messages uh, compounded yeah. again and again and again and again. And then that's not even inclu- including all the um, like uh, conspiracy theories and 
yeah exactly yeah and and the constant you know dissection and discussion on social media like every time you open a social media app it's there in your face it's the first thing you see right now people talking about the situation um dissecting and discussing the situation and it's just it's you know it's just everywhere and i know for me it would it stifles my productivity it it saps my energy it feeds the dark feelings um and I know that on the internet, there is as much positivity as there is negativity. And I do try to focus on the positivity. And what we're trying to do here is bring you some of that positivity. And uh, there's all sorts of little projects and things happening, things you can get involved in, hashtags you can get involved in, things like that to help you kind of like pass the time and and stay, um, stay positive. Um, there's a, and stay mentally healthy as well as physically healthy while you self-isolate. Um, there's a hashtag going around at the moment that I am having a go at, which is, um, is it six fan arts? I'm just going to double check and check my tweet to tell you. Yeah. Six fan arts. So there's the six fan arts hashtag, which is going around right now, which encourages you to, uh, ask people that follow you to, um, suggest six characters that you can draw, um, in your own style, basically. So six random characters. So I'm having a go at that right now. Um, I've done three of six. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not easy for me because I'm not known for my ability to draw um, people <laughs> like that aren't monsters. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, and a lot of weak spots. Yeah, it is one of my weak spots, but it's given me a chance to kind of like uh, to test myself and and have a go at it. And most of the 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 characters I've had suggested are like, uh, you know, lifelike people. They're they're people basically. They 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 look like people. (laughs) It's the best that's how I can describe it. So yeah, we'll see what comes of that when I actually finally finish it. But I've done three. And I th- I'm happy with those three. The other three I'm struggling with. Um, one of the ones I'm struggling with is uh, Aquaman, but it has to be Jason Momoa Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> that just, you just put a beard and some tattoos on him. Done. I know that was that was Sophie that asked for that one. I'm doing I'm doing portraits, so I'm just doing faces. But um, Sophie's like uh, uh, Jason Momoa Aquaman, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> so i'm having a go but it just keeps coming out like not looking like jason momoa so (laughs) we'll see um but yeah um that's that's pretty much the crux of the book um it's a cool idea yeah it it, unfortunately though obviously it's the negativity that sticks with you and has the lasting effect i i find a lot of the time but we're trying we're you know we're trying to stay positive and we're trying to do things to stay positive and and this book, um, in its four pages, this sonnet is helpful for me and was comforting for me, actually, when I read it. So, yeah. Um, and uh, also, just a little message, we shouldn't feel bad about not being at our most productive because this is a difficult time for everyone. So, you know, as much as it, you, you get anxious about not being productive and you get anxious about the situation, you shouldn't feel bad about that because that's you know don't chastise yourself for not being able to finish something or not being at your most productive or whatever because that's just that's just not helping you that's just toxic you know it's it's 
it's going to be difficult for you to stay productive in a time like this, isn't it? So there you go. Yeah, um, we've seen that stuff going around like social media, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, you, you never lack the time. You, lack you just lack the discipline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's such a two-dimensional um, and like toxic message to go around. Yeah, expecting us all to come out basically like, you know, Bruce Wayne or something, like fully trained and like honed and skilled or whatever. Yeah, that's right. that's where I think that um, things like those art challenges are like the better way to do it because it co- it encourages like um, like it it, it can give mm. motivation and it encourages like a social aspect to all of this where everyone's coming together and, and doing a, a thing like Ink Inktober, whereas yeah. like the, just chastising people for uh, not have not being like um, perfectly. Um, uh, able to knuckle down uh, when they're worrying about if they're going to be able to get toilet paper on Tuesday is is quite a frustrating um, hill to die on. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, Quarantine Comics, and that is going to be bi-weekly um, for the time being, for as long as this lasts. Um, uh, weekly or bi-weekly, they say on their website. There's no sort of like fixed, they'll just release them as and when, I guess. Um, which is kind of cool. I quite like that. Um, and then that is going to be, uh, so that is written by W Maxwell Prince. That is art by Martin Morazzo, colors by Chris O'Halloran and lettering by good old neon. Um, so Leon, do you want to do one of yours next? Yes. Why not? Uh, I will do no one's room. Number one. So this is Vault, isn't it? This is, uh, I I remember looking at this and it's on my list. In fact, both of yours are on my list, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you should uh, check them out. I mean, I think they generally overlap with us us guys. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this book is, oh, I'll just read like a basic bit of what the story is. So like the Anthropocene, uh, the era of, significant human impact on Earth's ecosystems is over. This is um, a post-climate change world where all the most brutal effects are at their worst and have all but wiped out life. Uh, The last vestiges of humanity uh, now live inside a dome, uh, the green zone. Uh, In the middle of the dome is a bioengineered tree that provides oxygen and general life uh, for like the 30,000 remaining uh, residents in there. And it, it's sort of presented as like this utopia, like this bastion of science where amongst all the adversities, um, this is the thing, this is the defiance of, of humanity to not be wiped out, but to learn all the lessons of the past and what... Um, people in their past are our current times did to destroy the world. Um, so that you have things where people are like um, rejecting of the, this period of time and talking about plastics as uh, uh, um, the awful things that they are and what they did to the planet. So there's a lot of uh, like commentary there, but it's not, 
it's not in a preacher way because I think at this point, I don't know, like you'd to be like preachy about climate change is 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 kind of hard because <laughs> it's it's a very real thing that is uh, that we're hurtling to um, at, at an incredible speed. So yeah, it doesn't really come off as like this uh, Mother Earth uh, diatribe thing, but instead it, it builds like this um, quite uh, also like living and breathing world, really. Um, but the the comic itself centers on a character called Captain Ten Gavrilo. Uh, and she's a talented but unpopular teenage bioengineer, and um, her brother Saren, who he is a person who he works uh, to do with like drainage uh, and, and water filtration, um, and that's lot of looked at as a like a lower class job, and therein lies the the um, the the main thing that. Uh, stops this being like a utopia is um, the fact that humanity has come together to use science to survive but there's still a system of class and inequality because you know humans got a human so they follow they have very different like political um, feelings about the the world they live in Uh, 10 she's pretty much bought in to the whole world and like they live on, I can't remember the name of it, uh, they live on the like underside, so they, they, there's this uh, big dome, in the middle of it is a big tree, and we get like a map in the comic, like related to our chat last week about um, like maps and uh, extra design elements, which well building law and history, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and this has some of it as well. Yeah. Um, and in that diagram, you see that like, there's two levels. Uh, so once people are in, uh, there's the lower level where, like, the general blue-collar type people live. And then you've got the upper level, um, which is, like, held as, like, elite. And they have parades mm. that only the top-level people are allowed to go to. And you've got a pass. There's, like, a, a light rail system. And in the, there's a mid-station and you get checked. And if you're not meant to be there, you'll be kicked off or arrested or whatever. Um, so, like, she's uh, fully bought in with her brother, Seren. Uh, he's not at all, and his leanings have, have pushed towards uh, a more revolution-based fringe group. But at the heart of it, they're still brother and sister, and they uh, connect in that way. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the setup of that of this book. And I think it's quite um, a good one. I think that uh, it brings up a lot of scenarios and questions um and i think through character um we're learning a lot about what it's like to to grow up in this world because like for them like they all they've ever known is like what the world is now in the dome um and people don't go outside that much it feels like uh, in this book we start with a couple of people going outside because um, they go out to collect samples and like roots of, of like nature and then bring them into the dome and then science them up and use them to benefit everyone in the dome. 
But um, outside is just full of um, like super storms um, and like all the all the worst things you can you can expect. So it, it it's funny or and I, I think they're really good at getting you to look in look uh, or I guess take their vantage point of what it'd be like to live in this world where like just outside isn't safe and you you just live in this like glass world where um you're protected from the elements but you're still delineated in, into some sort of class-based group and the people doing uh, like all the hard labor are the people who treated the worst and i mean that's that's always going to be an, an evergreen relatable uh, element to in, in like fiction because it's it's an evergreen thing in society and like even recently we're seeing this stuff come back to the 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 main discourse because of the key workers uh like all around the world um like some of these jobs that um were deemed to be unskilled uh not not like like two months maximum ago are the things that are keeping the, the country afloat. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's oddly timely, but it's not really odd when you think about it because these things are always timely. But, um, yeah, I, I, I quite like the book. Um, I'm a fan of the character design, costuming, and, like, the architecture, like, across the board. Uh, and examples, you have, like, the... When you go outside, they wear these... Uh, yellow domed visors on their gear um and it, all of it has this like just cool look where it, it just doesn't look like sci-fi light or just box standard um like uniforming or technology it it, it does feel original and has its own like um flair and i think a lot of that uh it, well i mean i think it both comes from the the like line uh, art itself and the design, but also from the colors that, that are used. And you have cool things like um, the soldier class people. Um, they have these, or well, they like soldier slash police class, I guess, but um, they wear these like white armor like costumes, but they have like lilac capes, which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, all of it feels like it makes the world feel realized and that there's um, more going on beyond the specific panels that we get. And um, I'm interested to see like where it goes. Um, but I, I would, I think it's a one where like the way, the way the first chapter ends, you're more bought in for like the world and what's going to happen then I'd say maybe specifically the actions going on. But I think those things are going to uh, escalate uh, in the next issue. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued and, and I will uh, definitely continue. I, I'd, I'd recommend you give it, give it a read, Greg. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's been on my list for a while. Um, so it's one that I've been looking at mm. <laughs> since it came out. I've been like, okay, I need to read this, but yeah, I will eventually get around to it. It will be on, it'll be one that I will read and I'll get back to you with my thoughts on it. Cause it sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Cause, um, I'll, I'll say that, um, it seems to be like, it has a, a good idea of what it is and it's, um, 
I know it, 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 it seems to it seems to grab all the big uh, implications of everything and focus it on like actual characters who have emotions and feelings and stuff. And I, I quite like that because sometimes mm. when it's just big, like big factions versus other faction, you can yeah. kind of get lost in everything. And yeah. I think what this, uh, another good element about this book is that the, um, the lettering's handled in, in quite a good, like clear way um, with the use of like, uh, like colored boxes um, denoting which characters it is, but also just like, cool um cool change ups so like you'll have bits where like the the letter boxes are like they're overlaid over the edge of a panel but instead of being over and having lines that it's like it's like they've taken a chunk out of the panel and it's really mm. cool or you have like certain panels to do with voiceovers um they will be like not just straight edges they'll be more like sketched out and um like the onomatopoeia um properly feels like the onomatopoeia is the thing that happens if you know what i mean it's yeah. like when lightning crashes the words are in lightning so there's a lot of like um cool things like that and i think they're what they do they're good at sort of pulling you through this story from um so you're not just going like panel to panel but you're actually um like pulled into the world a bit more. There's a bit more immersion, and I, I like stuff. I like little subtle things like that that um, and, uh, that aid the uh, the storytelling. I love stuff like that. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, No One's Rose number one. I'll read out the um, credits. It's uh, written by Zach Thompson and Emily Fawn. It's uh, drawn by Alberto Albuquerque, uh, coloured by Raúl Anglo, and lettered by Hassan. Otsman Elha. Yeah, and uh, that is published by Vault Comics and available now digitally. Yes. Yes. Um, so this one actually intrigued me from the cover because I've been looking at this and I've even seen a video trailer for this. Um, and again, it's one that's on my list and you, you've beat me to it, Leon. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about Mercy. <laughs> okay, Mercy is... Um... This is one that I think you should definitely check out the first issue and see what you make of it. Yeah. Um, because uh, Mercy is set in 19th century Washington State. Yeah. It's a small town called uh, Woodsburg, which I don't. I think it's like maybe on the way to Seattle if you're coming from the east or something. Um, okay. But uh, getting witchy. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, so, like, a traumatic and terrifying incident happens uh, in a mine owned by a Lady Swanson. Yeah. And we get snippets of what happens there. There's, like, uh, really cool panels with uh, her with, like, a gun just sh- shooting towards us uh, as we can see, like, corpses and people rushing out. And it looks monstery. Definitely. Uh, something... They found something in that mine, uh, and it it resulted in like loads of deaths. And they conclude that they have to just like their only option is to like get out of it and blow the place up. So there's there's a lady there, and she just like get everybody get out. And if you, if you stay here, you're not going to make it. 
And so, like, she basically fills up a minecart with... So this isn't Lady Swanson. It's another woman who hates Lady Swanson and blames her for it in the in the moment. Uh, and right. she fills up a minecart with uh, dynamite. And, and the next panel we get is just a, a massive explosion from far away. So... And, and then what happens is that Swanson is blamed for it, but it, the whole thing's framed as, as uh, an accident that happened um, at the mine, that people aren't going around talking about monsters. But um, Lady Swanson herself is uh, haunted by, like, nightmares, and she keeps referring to uh, the strangers, the strangers. Um, and she has, like, powerful, like, convulsive, um, seizures while like um, uh, sleeping and um, and like dreaming or, or or having a night terror about it. Uh, and there, so like the story picks up sometime after, and they're having a memorial a memorial for um, the people that died that day, including her husband, uh, Swanson's husband. And um, there's like a weird dealing there because a lot of people like blame her. Some people are outright and rude about it. And it, it creates this sort of weird, like, I don't know, like uh, societal, not unrest, but like, you know, people are whispering behind your back and and stuff like that. So it it has that sort of um, stuff. The town just doesn't feel right. Like, Obviously, religion is a big thing back then, and uh, everyone is like church going and stuff. But like, it, it feels like there's just an unease in the town. Um, uh, we meet a uh, rambunctious uh, orphan called Rory, and she uh, finds lots of solace in religion and uh, sort of thinks, fantasizes, dreams about her mother, who she. Uh, has never met who um, I believe she had died while she was young or in childbirth. I, I, um, I think that those, those details aren't, aren't um, uh, drawn out yet for, uh, for us, but um, we, um, we <laughs> I found that character to be kind of interesting because at first you could think they're like this annoying brat character. Um, but like she's designed, like she looks like like Galley in you know, Alita from Battle Angel Alita. <laughs> like she's got like got the hair, and she's like short, and she's like um, gets into trouble. But um, through her, we get um, a bit more of understanding of what the what the times are like because um, she's um, given shelter by someone that she refers to as her uncle, but really it's a guy who. Um, like rounds up stray kids and orphans and has has them in his factory making um, cotton for him, which he then sells to tailors and makes money off. Um, and he's like super abusive to them, um, and she keeps getting in trouble because she likes to like leave and uh, and adventure out, and then gets caught. So like already then it's like it's like quite like um, quite brutal, and. While that's happening, we have uh, this stagecoach, which is um, on its way to Seattle. And in it houses a 
lady called Lady Helene, I believe, and she's with a gentleman uh, who says he's her butler. Um, but uh, they are very strange, um, but very cool. Like, he has a really cool design. He kind of looks like um, what you'd expect for a 19th century sort of Victorian-looking dude with, like, a moustache and all that. Uh, and Lady Helene, she's on the cover, and she's like, um, uh, she's like blonde hair. She has the like little hat, and she just has this like menacing look to her. And on the cover, she's like holding this weird, like sort of like tentacly plant thing. And this is something that uh haunts haunts like the dreams of the um some of the other characters so like something terrible and, and freaky is happening uh, around and it's coming coming to a head um as we join all these characters and um yeah i thought i thought it was quite um quite good like i, I really like the art style it's like nice and um clean um the the colors are quite um i think they bring a lot of character and clarity to to the setting uh, of the, this small town and um like all the fashion the character design uh, all of it like fits really well and uh, manages to I don't know, convey that sense of unease and like uh monster uh like un- unseen monster type vibe but like um i don't know it's, it's hard to talk about because there's, there's elements in there which are a bit more like story based that i don't want to get into as much but um yeah I, I i think it was um i think it's pretty good at showing like what it's what that time is kind of like but also adding this like um supernatural element to it so I'll be curious to see what happens next, especially I think this is quite a short miniseries. It might be five or six issues. And you know me and, and my yeah. uh, not wanting to jump into 60-issue run. So we're taking the Lovecraft line with this then, are we? I would, I would say so. I, would, yeah. uh, I think there's, there's a heavy, a heavy um, implication that that is the case. But yeah. as it feels now, we're getting bits and bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, mm. I, it it is it's all the hallmarks of of that type of cosmic horror coming. But it's got like quite a cool, I don't know, like nature, like yeah. floral, I don't know, like plant based design to it. Okay, right. So it's like they uncovered something in the mine that's uh, it's probably been buried for eons or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. A cool idea. Yeah. I mean, also, it, the, yeah. Um, but but things are like with the people not as clean as they see. So like Lady Swanson, who owned the mine, she also owns other businesses around town, including mm. the brothel. Yeah. And um, she shows that she's not just this like rich widow. She's actually yeah. can be quite um, savage and, without going into too much detail, she manages to enact some revenge on some people who disrespected her. So it's like it adds to this sort of gangstery <laughs> element to, to this character. Um, but yeah, the, the, 
there's um there's some there's some stuff in here that I'm, I'm hoping that how it's done is going to serve like a purpose otherwise it could be like uncomfortable so yeah. an example of that is like the the treatment of Rory by the dude like I think that as it is it's um effective in sort of showing us like the stakes and what what an awful time in this is but if that stuff doesn't lead anyway it could just feel i know not exploitative but like unnecessary yeah um and yeah and then, then there's some there's some like possible awkwardness to do with like um a sex worker who's part of um a part of a scheme by one of the characters. Um, there's like uncomfortable racial elements there, so I'm I'm interested to see what uh, the the outcome of that, and if that's like uh, set up into as part of this story to delve in deeper to these like flawed characters, or if it's like just stylistic. Mm-hmm. But, um, benefit of the doubt, I'm, I'm going with the former at the moment. But it yeah. definitely not, uh, I don't know, not even out of context, but it definitely feel, it could feel indelicate depending on what they do now. Yeah. It's funny you should mention that actually, because um, there's a comic I'm currently reading <clears throat> that I will talk about on a future episode, which is set in a similar time in the US. Um, did you say this was set in the 1800s or the 1900s? Uh, 1800s, so late 19th century. Yeah, okay. So the book I'm currently reading is called Seven Deadly Sins, which is a Western. Hmm. So a, a similar time. Um, and um, it's like a real rough, dirty, violent Western comic, which I will talk about in like in another episode or whatever, but it's um, possibly in the next episode we do. But it's, um, yeah, there's some similar things in that. There's some points in that where it comes off... Um, is it just trying to be, is it just aiming for historical accuracy or is it going to, is, you know, because, because what, what's in there could come off as quite uncomfortable for some readers. And I think when I do begin to talk about it, if I recommend it to anybody, I think I would put like a warning on it saying that you may find elements of this book uncomfortable, Hmm. but um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's just going for historical accuracy and to tell you this is what the times were like, or whether you know whether it's actually going to do something with that or what. But yeah, yeah, because because sometimes that can be used as say like a, a shield mm. for a, for a work to be get be overindulgent in in presenting yeah. the, those things. Yeah, instead of as you say, like uh, using those things to show like to be brutally honest about and not a uh, candy uh, coat or uh, whitewash um, what those um, rea- realities were like. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll probably have to dive into, I mean, if you get, I mean, I would recommend it actually. If you do get the chance to, to check out any of seven deadly sins, which TKO that is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, the whole, I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. Whole story is available already, so <laughs> go for it because it's TKO but, Comics. Uh, so this was uh, Merka uh, Andofa's Mercy One. Uh, it was um, she was the writer, artist, and colorist. 
uh, color assistant as uh, Gianluca Papi. Um, uh, lettering was done by Fabio uh, Milia, and that is Image Comics. And this is um, an Italian book. They're all part of uh, Arantia Studio, uh, mm. and it was translated to English. Nice. So um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's quite a, quite a strong start. Um, I did see like when I was doing some research for this, I saw people complaining about like the um, the translation and saying that they felt that um, they didn't think the translation was good. So like it made that the English not a pissed stilted for them or something. But I don't know. Maybe when you if you read this. Uh, maybe you get that. I didn't. I didn't get that at all. It seemed to flow as intended for me. Mm. Oh, I have to check that out. I definitely, I definitely wanted to check it out. As I say it's been on my list, and I've seen a lot of buzz about it. So it's something that Image appeared to be publishing quite a uh, publishing pushing quite heavily as well, mm. because their website um, for a while this was the main feature, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. So. Um. So for for the final comic, I think we're going to finish on a high note um, because this was pure comfort comics for me. So Butler off, Leon. Butler off. The guy in Mercy versus uh, Alfred. Alfred Pennyworth. I mean, I think the guy from Mercy is quite possibly some sort of eldritch beast in human form. So I mean, even if Alfred wasn't the best butler ever made, I'm going to have to go Alfred. Yeah, Alfred's like, <laughs> Alfred's like, like he's like, um, he's like SAS trained and everything as well, and he you know he's he knows where everything is in the back cave. He knows how to activate certain protocols and things like that. So I think he could take down an Eldritch Horror. Yeah, I've seen Alfred has... do some pretty wild and badass stuff. That's the thing. Like he so... probably knows. He knows all his all of his uh, his law. He knows. Yeah. Um, the right book to use, the right key to use, whatever it is. Like, it, yeah, he knows. <laughs> I've seen Alfred do some wild and badass stuff to defend Wayne Manor. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> my money's on Alfred. But yeah, so um, the last book we're going to talk about is Batman: The Adventures Continue. Um, so this is uh, Batman: The Adventures Continue, Chapter One, which was released. Um, Wednesday just gone, which was um, the 1st of April. Uh, Currently digital only. It was, um, I think the plan for it was always to be digital only at first, but then available in print from May 6th. Um, The most heartbreaking thing about this is it's only going to be six issues long. (laughs) It could be a start. It could get more. I know, but like... That's gonna. It's just gonna be ending before it's started. You know, I want more than six. That's not even a full season of the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is some some total comforts comic comfort comics for me. It is basically the Batman animated series in comic form, kind of like follows on from the other Batman books that got released in this vein, like Batman Adventures books. Uh, which were released, which were sort of like between 92 and 95. And it has the same artist as well. It's the same artist that worked on those original Batman Adventures books from 92. Um, And for me, this is just excellent. Um, First of all, I love that it's in landscape. (laughs) 
And I'm pretty sure that was purposely done to make it almost like watching TV. <laughs> um, the art is absolutely gorgeous and fully breathes life into the world of uh, Batman TAS, uh, keeping diligently to Bruce Timm's design, just like it always has, because like I said, this is the same artist worked on the original books. So uh, the team behind this, uh, it is written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. So already Paul Dini's on there. Uh, the art is Ty Templeton. Uh, colors by Monica Cabina and uh, lettering by Joshua Reed. And there's a um, the cover is by a Dave Johnson. Um, and yeah, it's it it even has a title card, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it is basically just like having an episode of TAS, and it's quite a um, a nice little. Uh, a nice little thing to have and um you know it, it'll be when it comes out in print i'll definitely be buying it in print because it just stays true to the design of the series it follows on from where the series ended um even down to the fact that they have um they've aged the characters slightly or drawn you know like to, to in keeping with that in keeping with the timeline um batman's suit has changed his costume's different um things like that it's just they're keeping it in in keeping with the timeline so they're they're kind of like so this is the story now kind of thing Mm. there's a lot of returning characters um this first uh story um it it starts with batman like wailing on bane And then uh, goes on to Batman versus Giant Robot. Giant Robot breaks into Wayne Tech, steals something cool. Um, That something cool appears to be Alien Tech. And uh, the plot just kind of like spirals from there. And it's Batman doing his detective thing, trying to work out, you know, what this robot is, who, who this robot might be in service to, you know, is it extraterrestrial technology? And, you know, why does it want the thing that was in the Wayne Tech place? Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a typical episode of TAS and that works in his favor, in his favor, I think. And you read this too, didn't you, Leon? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I can't, I can't praise this enough. <laughs> I want more of it. I want more than six issues. It's bi-weekly at the moment. So the digital release will be bi-weekly and then we'll be getting, uh hopefully from may the 6th if everything's back up and running by then we'll be able to get the uh the print issues um and yeah if if this whets your appetite then all the back issues of batman adventures comic are also available right now digitally um all of that is on um comiXology as well so i mean how did you how did you find this leon i'm I'm pretty sure that i've pretty much said everything that you're probably going to say anyway yeah because what this is is like um like nostalgia porn in a way, yeah. Because um, it, um, like, going through then, it, there's things that will. If you came up and or you like have a history with that era of Batman cartoon, then when you see all these designs, uh, when you got that that you know the angular designs with like the um, just like the way. Is it Art Deco or is it Gothic? The way Gotham looks. Like, it's Art Deco. Yeah, you've got... 
uh, all, all those different elements, um, they can't help but resonate with you. Like as I'm reading this, the characters who uh, I know, like, like Batman and uh, Bullock and and others, um, they all have the voices that they had in the uh, in the Timverse animations. And um, it's funny how that can happen. Where I wasn't even doing it; it was just in my head. Um, I could hear Kevin Conroy and, and uh, Batman spoke. And um, yeah, it, it's odd because it, it feels like a how an HD remake of this would look, if you know what I mean, where like everything is a bit sharper and cleaner and there's like different techniques to how you do the backgrounds and all that. But it's actually uh, new stories from like the original team. So yeah, it's pretty good. I thought, I thought it was pretty funny because it, it does have the pacing of an animation as well mm. where like you just jump from location to location and it, it is just the uncanny straight away and then you have like characters who have a history together like it does like pick up uh as we're like several years um deep into into this version of um Batman and, and Bruce Wayne then um what I do like um is the way how it uh, it takes that like angular and like sort of sort of flat um, style design, but like through the mix of like um, coloring and mm. just the way um, it's presented, uh, like panel wise, it uh, gives it a much more vibrant and modern look. Like even Gotham itself, um, like the range of colors being used on the streets and stuff like that it does look like it's a few years after, like the the way the cars looked, it looks like they've progressed a few years, like maybe five, 10 years or something like that. And I do like that, um, that detail and wrinkle. It's that, it's that sickly red sky, man. <laughs> that sickly red TAS sky. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. Um, it's that like light pollution. They get it like smack on. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I always loved how they did that in the show, and I I love the the digital coloring actually. Um, it's nice and and uh, I'm assuming it's colored digitally. I might be wrong, but it looks like it is because it's nice and clean and nice and you know highly so, defined, which is the kind of you, like if you were watching the TV show nowadays, yeah. what you'd expect. I mean, everyone talks about the warmth as well of the original episodes of the show. Um the warmth in the colors and the warmth in the way that it's painted and everything. Like it has this kind of like analog um, edge to it. Like when you put a vinyl record on versus listening to an MP3. Hmm. And I think this book manages to actually capture that quite well in the way that it's, it's pacing and the way that it's laid out and everything else. Um, There's something this book does that just fully manages to capture the magic for me. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, that character design. I think it just mm. it goes a long so, way. But then, like I'd say, maybe on the counter end, um, like I'm not. If you don't have that association with this, I'm not. Uh, like this wouldn't even be a jumping on point. I would say uh, for me, because this feels like it's served up for for us. But if, yeah. like, say you're new, um, 
I would recommend the the old comics um, before mm. reading this. Yeah, just just get into it. Go back to start. I mean, if you're it, you, I mean, I I don't know because it, you could be wanting to get into TAS. It's all. I mean, TAS is all there to stream now as well. That's on the DC streaming service. Um, there's also a Blu-ray box set floating about. Um, but like, if you if you wanted to like get in from the beginning. I, it's a, if you're a Batman fan, it's a cool comic anyway. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a history with the Bruce. No, Tim but song, I, but I it, think but... our immediate connection to it comes from yeah. the place, and I don't think yeah. that is guaranteed from those who don't have that emotional connection to. No, no, obviously, song. we we are uh, this uh, this this particular design of batman and this particular style is indelibly etched upon my mind and this is my when i when my first kind of experience of batman and being like wow batman this was it for me so yeah this is this is where i hopped on board the bat train when i was a kid so yeah you're right leon (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um so that is uh the batman adventures continue batman the adventures continue uh and yeah so written by alan burnett and paul dini art by ty templeton colors by monica cabina and lettering by joshua reed cover by dave johnson now um at this point um we have ran out of comics that's the end of the list um leon you got any further thoughts you want to share no, not currently. Though I will say, I think that your uh, hope for uh, the beginning of May is uh, unfortunately not going to happen, man. I know, but <laughs> I, you know, I have to have hope, right? <laughs> I mean, they're saying May 6th. they're saying it, it'll be in print May sixth, but maybe not. But who knows? Depends what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's not going to be in print by May sixth, the whole thing's coming out bi-weekly anyway, digitally. So I'll still be able to read it. That's nuts. How 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 like this and the ice cream? How are people getting well, comics out? I, I these people are just so prolific. <laughs> like it's it's insane, and it's also really cool that these people are so creative and prolific, and I love it. Um, and I love that it's. I love that it's kind of like a, a defiant stand in the face of everything that's happening right now to try and keep comics going, which I really love. Mm. Um, I'm loving the energy around it and um, I'm loving the positivity around it as well, that we still have comics, that we still enjoy comics. And that's what I kind of want to keep doing this. It's kind of what Ace Comicals is about really, isn't it? So um, it is at the minute anyway. Uh, so that has been Ace Comicals episode number 85. Um, there will be no pull list because, uh, much like last week, we don't know what's happening. Uh, really, we don't know what's going to be out when, if, I mean, as far as we know, new comics are halted. So I can't really tell you what you should be looking forward to next week because that's really unfair because although I could probably get a list somewhere of all the things that were meant to be out because there are, you know, that there, there, the orders would have been placed and things I, I expect, um or catalogs would exist but yeah it's yeah so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that to you so um that has been ace comicals 
episode number 85 you can find us everywhere that you can find a podcast that is um pocket casts itunes Castbox, castro overcast spotify stitcher um and tune in uh you can find us at www.acecomicals.com which is the hub for everything we do um you can get in touch via email at acecomicals at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are on, on Twitter under acecomicals. Uh, Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter uh, at Leon Everett. And as we, as like I said, last episode, I'm going to keep it going. I just want to shout out to all the people who are keeping this country running and uh, are likely uh, not getting the support that they require. But uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, we're like super grateful. Sentiment echoed. Um, and uh, you can, if you, well, if you feel so inclined, we have a Kofi page where you can donate the price of a coffee to help keep the lights on here at Ace Comicals, keeps the website up and the podcast hosted. Um, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. Uh, get in touch. Like I said last time, I want to hear what's new to you. So, I mean, even if there's no new comics being published or released right now, we can still chat comics. That's what I'm I'm here for that, you know? So drop us a line at Ace Comicals, drop me a line on Twitter. I'll pretend I'm selling you comics. I'll stand on the other side of the counter <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we can talk about what's new to you, what you guys might be reading right now. Uh, Leon, where can we find you? Same place. <laughs> yes. Uh, Twitter under Leon Everett. So um that has been ace comicals 85 that's ace comicals over and out